Well, I'm glad you're able to join us today, whether you're with us in one of our services in person or whether you've joined us online. Welcome. Glad that you're here. We're at the end of a series here on My Sundays to Teach. This is part 18 this morning. Uh, we've been talking about the kingdom of God. We've been in the Gospel of Matthew, specifically in chapters 5, 6, and 7, in what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, we've said that this passage is really about God's value system for life in His kingdom. And today we've reached the end of the Sermon on the Mount, so it feels like we've reached the end of this series, uh, but you never know. I'm wondering, do we have any do-it-yourselfers uh, in the room? Uh, I, don't know, I don't know much about home repair, but I'm definitely too cheap to pay someone uh, to repair anything at my house. So if I can't convince my friends to you know, bail me out, then I find myself watching a bunch of YouTube videos and being a do-it-yourselfer. I've discovered some things about myself and uh, my tendencies that I, I found that I'm never quite able to finish a project when I think it ought to be finished. And I think perhaps the multiple trips to Home Depot play into that might be a factor. You know how there's always uh, one piece that's not quite finished, one part that might be missing. There's one surface that's still not painted. There's always something that's not quite right. And, and I don't know about you, but kind of in my thinking, uh, if I can get something like 95% done, because when I was in school, 95 was an A. So like I've already made an A on the project. So I think that's pretty good. So let me ask you something. How many of you have ever decided to tackle a paint project in your house? You know what I mean, where you've spent the time in the paint aisle you looked at at least a thousand paint colors and combinations and finishes. You finally decided that you're, you know, what you're going to do with the walls in a certain room in your house. And so you bought the paint, you bought the rollers, you bought the roller covers, you bought the brushes and the trays and the drop cloths. I mean, you are ready to do this project. And maybe you weren't exactly excited about uh, the work involved, but you were kind of excited about looking forward to the finished product, right? Because a fresh coat of paint just breathes new life into a space that has become dated or dingy or boring, right? So you remember when you were all excited about tackling this project, and you came home from the store and you unloaded all the stuff uh, in the garage or in your basement. Uh, you remember doing that? And uh, in fact, if you go home today after church, I wonder if probably maybe you would still find that stuff still sitting in the garage or in the basement, maybe even still in the bag from the store. I mean, you did your research. You checked out all your options. You got all the tools and supplies you needed. You got the paint. Maybe you even prepped the room. But you never got around to doing the painting. The paint's still sitting there. Never been used. It's never been applied to your wall. You bought the paint to breathe new life into this room. And now the paint has kind of sat there for a while. And ultimately, it's never really been used for the purpose that you bought it for. So really, you kind of wasted your time and money on that paint, and it never fulfilled the purpose that you bought it for because you left it in the can. We'll come back to that. I love the way that Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount. 
And by the way, if you've been tracking with this whole thing, back when we started, you know, with that one message about the kingdom of God all the way, from, uh, all the way back in December from Matthew chapter 4, that became a second message about the kingdom of God from Matthew 13. And then I thought, I've got an idea. Why don't I take a few messages and teach through Jesus' manifesto on a whole new way to be human and the broken reality of the kingdom of God or the Sermon on the Mount? And here we are, nine months later, 18 sermons later, we're finally approaching the final passage. Uh, Thank you for hanging in with me here. Uh, You've been so encouraging. I've loved your feedback. Uh, Thanks for being so engaged with this. So today, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. These are the words of Jesus. Therefore, or in light of everything I've just said in these three chapters about the things that I value in the Beatitudes, about being salt and light, about the commandments, about enemy love, about prayer, about worry, about judging others, in light of all of that, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Sounds like the same storm. And it fell with a great crash. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. I think what Jesus was saying to that crowd that day and what he's saying to us now is that I want you to know right now the storm is coming. I don't want you to be surprised by the storm. I want you to be ready for the storm. The storm is going to come and I'm letting you know in advance that the wind is going to blow, the rain is going to come, the waves are going to rise, and ultimately your experience in that is not going to be determined by what you've heard today. Your experience in the storm is going to be determined by what you've done with what you've heard. See, it's like everyone there that day got a bucket of paint. And the difference between the experience for the wise man and the foolish man in Jesus' story wasn't what they had in their bucket. It's what they took home and applied to their wall. It's what they took the time and effort and energy and work, and sometimes it's work, and sometimes it's messy, and sometimes it does take some effort to go through the practice and the discipline of applying scriptural truth to our lives. But what Jesus said is the storm is coming and the ones who are going to survive the storm are not going to be the ones who simply heard the truth. They're going to be the ones who applied the truth. It always amazes me, (coughs) excuse me, during hurricane season, in fact, this very week, to watch the coverage on the news, happens every year, to watch people, first of all, who've seen the same predictions that we have, and we're hundreds of miles away, and they're right in the middle of it. They've seen all the predictive models of the storm track. They've seen the radar. They've heard all the instructions and the warnings. And this is the thing about hurricanes, is they don't sneak up on you. You usually know for days, maybe even a week, that a tropical depression might become a tropical storm that might become a hurricane that might be coming in your direction. 
And some people, when they first get word uh, that a hurricane might be coming, they go to the store, uh, they buy all the plywood they can buy, they diligently cover their windows and their doors, and when they've got everything done, they've done everything they can to prepare their homes for the coming storm, they pack up their cars with all their essentials, and they head inland to stay with family or friends for a few days to, while this thing comes ashore, right? They're doing everything they can to apply common sense and logic, to think it all through to make sure that they're ready. <clears throat> in the same reports, in the same newscasts, there are always those people who always, for some reason, get airtime. And there's this guy, and he's just kind of like leaning up against his house or his car, right? And the reporter asks him, so are you not taking any precautions? Are you not, what are you doing to get ready? Are you not leaving? And the response is something like, no, nah, we're just going to wait and see what happens. We're just going to see how it turns out. Maybe the storm will turn. Maybe it'll lose some intensity when it makes landfall. We're just going to wait and see. And what you want to do is you want to take your phone or your TV and you want to put it in front of this guy and say, do you see the spiraling mass? Do you see this thing that I see on this radar map? Do you see where you are in relation to where this thing is going? In this passage, I think this is exactly what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying, I've poured out all the practical, helpful teaching that you need right now, but ultimately, I want you to know the storm is going to come, and it's going to be up to you to make the application. <clears throat> Here's the thing we've got to remember about applying truth of Scripture, that as we apply God's truth in one area of our lives, as we come to Him, oh, for example, as a father and say, I want to be the best father I can be. What does your word say about that? I want to be the best mother I can be. What does your word say about that? I want to be the best spouse that I can be. What does your word say about that? I want to be the best employee or coworker or employer that I can be. What does your word say about that? I want to be responsible with my money. What does your word say about that? I want to be the best friend that I can be. What does your word say about that? I want to leave a legacy of godliness. What does your word say about that? And as I begin to understand God's truth, as I begin to apply that, it begins to transform my life in that particular area. And I recognize the power of his Holy Spirit working in my life. Now it's not so difficult to come to God and say, God, you're changing me in this area. Now what do you want me to do over here and over here in these other areas of my life? And this process rolls through the life of the follower of Jesus who is committed to it. And the Holy Spirit begins to fan the flame of our faith in a way that maybe he never has before, maybe we, in a way that we've never positioned him, him to do before. And our relationship with him moves to a whole new level. And God is able to transform a life because of a few steps of obedience and taking Jesus' teaching and the parts of God's word that are just so practical and moving it from the paint can onto the wall. So the challenging thing for me in preparing this message, uh, we're talking about Jesus' sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, the way that he concluded it, and the way that he emphasized application, that it really comes down to what you do with what you've heard. So the challenge for me <coughs> was, how do I land on an application, on a message, on application? So I think the application is this, that after all these months of talking about the Sermon on the Mount, deeping, uh, diving deep into the value system of God's kingdom, into what life in the kingdom looks like, 
I'm just going to approach it this way. There are three groups that I want to talk to, maybe challenge today. You may fit in one of these groups. You'll definitely fit in one of these groups. First of all, there may be a few here. Maybe this is your first Sunday with us. Maybe this is the first time you've uh, checked out Faith Community Fellowship, either in person or online. Maybe you've just recently started coming and you're still trying to kind of navigate your way through uh, our church. Maybe it's just been a few weeks. I'm always trying to find uh, ways to communicate that we want you to find a home here. We want you to take some time to get to know some people here. We want you to know what faith community is all about. We want to know how we can serve you and your family. So we want you to just keep coming, keep listening. And I know that sometimes people come from a less than positive previous church experience and you're making a transition. And I would just say to you, let God minister to you for a while. Let your soul be healed and refreshed and replenished. So if, if this is you, I have a question for you this morning. And it's, I think it's really a challenge. Are you consistently putting yourself and putting your family in an environment where you're being taught the Word of God in a helpful, practical way so that you can apply it to your everyday life and improve and strengthen, even change the trajectory and the impact of your life? Oh, just so you know, faith community doesn't have the monopoly on practical Bible teaching in the Ellsworth area, all right? That's, it's, not, it's not all about that. I have some friends who are pastors in this, in this town and in really great churches who can teach the Bible far better than I can. This is about the idea that if Jesus were here, I think he'd say, if you're not putting yourself in the kind of environment where you're presented with truth in such a way that it's clear what the next step is, that you're, that you're setting yourself up then for a crash when the storms of life come. Because ultimately, the only thing that is going to provide the kind of foundation that we need is the truth of God's word. And we all need to hear the word of God presented in such a way that we understand it, that we can identify with it, and that we can apply it to the real issues in our lives. Second group we want to talk to, this is great news for you. This principle is the most transforming, you know, I think for this group of people. And it's those of you who are just beginning your walk with Jesus. Now, some of you have been Christians for a long time. Some of you have been Christ followers. Uh, you've become Christ followers in the last couple years, maybe, the last five years, or maybe this calendar year, I don't know. Some of you are back in church for the first time in a long time, maybe for the first time since your parents or grandparents dropped you off for Sunday school. And now you're re you find yourself reconnecting with God. And this is all kind of new. Even if it's familiar, it's kind of new. And the reason this is so important is there will be this tendency to listen to this voice in the back of your head that says, you know, you need to sit near the back because you don't know very many people here. And those you do know, you don't know very well. And when it comes to what you believe, well, you don't know quite as much as the rest of these people do. You haven't been coming to church quite as long. You know, you took that long detour. You don't have as much to offer. You can't be used for anything very significant. <laughs> the exciting thing about this principle is this, that a few practical, helpful, biblical principles, when applied to your life, will transform you. They'll move you light years ahead of people who have sat for year after year after year, having heard lots of truth, but having never gone to the trouble and made the effort and gone through the steps of applying it to their lives. It's in the applying that you position yourself to be used by God. Listen, God can use you in amazing ways. I know that because I've seen it. I've seen it right here at Faith Community. 
as God has taken people who are fresh in their walk with, with Jesus and he's transformed their lives and he's transformed the way that they see themselves and the way that they see God and the way that they see God being able to use them. And it's a, an amazing thing as he fans the fire of their faith. So if you're here and this is all kind of new to you, I mean, you had to look in the table of contents in your Bible to find the book of Matthew today, right? Listen, please don't be deceived into thinking that you've got to now somehow make up a whole lot of ground because through the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, God can fan the fire of your faith and it'll, it'll take off. Third group is really the rest of us. We come here week after week. We hop on church online week after week. We hear practical teaching. We hear helpful teaching. We maybe participate in our small groups. We interact with one another, and we pray, and we worship, and we share our lives together. We hear helpful, practical discussions about the truth of Scripture. So really, the only question I have for you, for the rest of us, is are you applying what you hear? How many of us hear these messages that address needs in particular areas of our lives, things that need to be addressed, and in a helpful and practical way, a solution was offered to help meet that need, and how many of us go through the process of applying that truth to our lives? Or do we just take it, seal the lid, take it home, put it on a shelf in the basement? Because sadly, some of us have become really, really good at collecting paint. I mean, when you walk in our garage or in our basement, man, we got can after can after can of paint. We got it organized. We put it into sections and categories. I mean, we got it organized by interior and exterior and by finish and by colors. I mean, we can find any paint that we want, but we've never actually popped the lid off and gone to the trouble of applying it. And really the scary thing is this can be a very, very subtle form of deception because you can, you can come here and you can see and admit and understand the need in your life. You can understand the need to understand uh, 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 and get, kind of get a hold of what God says about an area of your life. And after having heard helpful and practical teaching from the scripture, it can make you think, like in the moment it can make you think, and then you can deceive yourself into thinking that you've somehow, in the moment, gone through the process of applying it. You can think that having heard it, I feel a little bit better. Because, yeah, I agree with you. I know that's what I need to do. I agree with what you're saying. And you can walk out or you can turn off your TV thinking that because you agreed or because you acknowledged the need or because you are determined to apply it, that you have somehow actually applied it. Listen, this is the value of small groups. And if you know me at all, if we've had more than three conversations, you knew this was coming, right? We're going to talk about small groups in the next few weeks because we need small groups now more than ever before. I'm talking about the value of a group of people, whether it's an organized thing or it's just something that flows out of relationships. It's the value of spending time with a group of people where there are committed believers who are willing to be transparent and open about the needs and the issues in their lives, to be transparent about the problems and the struggles that they have so that they can share with one another the kind of the solution of God's word and hold one another accountable to make sure that you get the paint out of the can and up on the wall, to make sure that the application is made and that life change 
begins to happen. If you're, if you're never in those settings where you're sitting eyeball to eyeball with some people who are able to validate this change going on in your life, then ultimately you're putting yourself in the position to be deceived, thinking that you've done something when you haven't. So the application for us this morning isn't just to apply. It's to apply and verify. It's to apply the truth and then move into relationship with other Christ followers, a relationship where people can encourage and challenge us in the process of making application. So let's talk a little bit for a couple minutes about relationships. Here's a universal relational principle about, about people that's just true, whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you choose to pay any attention to it or not, it's just true. Here's the principle. And you're going, great, is that algebra? Here it is. Intentional relationships, that's IR, over time equals change. The triangle is the symbol for the Greek letter delta, which means change. Intentional relationships over time equals change. Let's call this principle the power of association. And this is the principle. That you and I, over time, as we build relationships with other people, as we spend time with people, we tend to pick up on the characteristics and the qualities of those people, and eventually our lives are impacted. Because intentional relationships, over time, equals change. This is really easy for us to see in other people, right? Yeah, I think that's really, that's really good. You should spend more time with so-and-so. And we say that because we know that if person A spends some time with person B, over time person B is going to influence person A, and person A is going to adopt some of the qualities of person B, and the things that are true of person B will start to rub off on person A, and the bottom line is person A is going to change. It's the power of association. And where is this most obvious? Well, it, with our middle schoolers and teenagers, right? Because, I mean, you saw it in your own life. And, and you remember your parents saying, look, I don't want you hanging out with, you know, with that group. <laughs> and now you see it in your own teenagers and you find yourself saying, well, I don't want you hanging out with, you know, what's-his-face there because, and then you go on. It's the power of association. Intentional relationships over time impact our lives and bring, and bring change to our lives. It's a principle that's true. It's shaped every single one of us in the past. Oh, and it continues to shape us. It impacts how we think about ourselves. It impacts how we think about other people. It impacts what we think about God. And it impacts how we relate to God. So what we need to do is to figure out how to partner with God to move into relationships so that he can leverage this principle in our lives both to guide and shape us through the influence of others and to lead and inspire others into a growing relationship with Jesus through our influence. Here's the thing I know about you, that you can think back through your life and there are relationships in your life and you're, you're like, yeah, I was shaped, I was impacted, I was influenced either positively or negatively because of the people I associated with. And sometimes, I mean, I get it, sometimes you don't have a choice about who you're going to associate with. Like, for instance, you don't get to choose your family, but most of the time we totally get to choose who we associate with. And this isn't a new principle. This has been around since the beginning. You see this all through Scripture. In fact, as Jesus was starting to get his band of followers together, he said just one thing to those 12 guys that he would use to launch the most revolutionary mo movement in the, the history of humanity. He said one thing in two words. He said, follow me. 
follow me, not obey me, not surrender to me, not do this for me, not learn this about me. Some of those things would come later. But what he started with was simply, come, follow me. Jesus understood that if he could get into relationship with these guys, if he could walk with these guys, if he could just do life and be around these guys, he knew that who he was would begin to rub off on them and eventually it would affect their faith in a way that nothing else would. He knew that intentional relationships over time would impact and change their faith and the course of their lives and their future and this movement of God that we're still a part of today. There's a principle that we find in the Old Testament that explains this whole idea of the power of association. It's in Proverbs 13, verse 20. It says, he who walks with the wise grows wise. It doesn't say he who studies the life of the wise. It doesn't say he who is an understudy of the wise. It doesn't say he who models his life after the wise. It says he who walks with the wise that's, that's association. That's relationship. And the verse goes on to say, but a companion of fools suffers harm. So he who walks with the wise, he who has an intentional relationship with the wise becomes wise. But he who associates with, with people who don't live their lives by the principles of God's word, who don't live their lives under the authority of God's truth, who don't live their lives according to the kingdom values that Jesus taught, they suffer harm. They have an undesirable future ahead of them. And I've talked about this principle with teenagers, and we're all thinking, yeah, that's good. Teenagers need to hear this. They need to learn this. But you know something? This is a principle that none of us ever outgrows. We never reach some level of maturity where this doesn't apply to us anymore. These providential relationships, this is, this is what God has used in the past. It's what God wants to continue to use in our lives to deepen and strengthen and stretch and grow our faith. And a lot of you are here today and your faith has been ignited, and you're growing in your faith because of someone. You may be sitting near them. They may be in the room with you right now. Maybe you haven't seen them in a while, but you know who I'm talking about. So the question is, how do we partner with God? How do we factor this in moving forward? Because it's easy to look back, and we can kind of see where God's used this principle in the past. But how do you partner with God to leverage this truth in your life? I think there are two key elements to this principle right before we wrap this up. And they are people and time. So who do you regularly spend time with? And when you're together, how do you spend your time? I think the application is this. First, Pray, God, in light of the power of this principle, in light of what you want to do in my life to grow my faith, who do you want me to move closer to? In light of the fact that I'm, in, I'm already in relationships with people all the time, in light of the fact that those people are impacting my faith, either negatively or positively, who do you want to use in my life as a catalyst to grow my faith, to build into my life these kingdom values that Jesus talked about here in the Sermon on the Mount? So we need to think about all the relationships in our lives. We need to say, Lord, as I think about the people in my life, who are the people that you want me to move closer to? Who are the people that should be influencing me for the sake of my faith and for the sake of your kingdom and your glory? So I just want to challenge you with this, that you're in regular kind of routine relationships with all kinds of people every single day. And these people impact your life. They impact your faith. They impact uh, your place and your role in the kingdom of God either positively or negatively, either directly or indirectly. So we got to factor in this principle, this power of association, that intentional relationships over time equal change. And I need, need to make myself really clear that I'm not talking about cutting yourself off 
from all, these, all the non-Christian people in your life. All right? I'm not talking about staying away from non-church people and just hanging around in those, you know, those little holy huddles, Christian bubble kind of thing with only other Christian people. That's not what I'm talking about at all. This power of association principle is, is shaping our lives and impacting us whether we acknowledge it or not and whether you believe it or not. And it's impacting how you relate to God and how you believe God wants to use you. So maybe you're in some relationships that are doing just the opposite of what you really want. They're attacking your faith and they're eroding your faith. It's kind of tearing, tearing it down rather than building it up. So you've got to figure out how do I move closer towards the relationships that God wants me to focus on. Those relationships are going to build up and be a catalyst for my faith. And what will happen is as you move toward the relationships that build your faith, God will, in His way, move you away from those other relationships and change the nature of those relationships that tend to tear us down. So, hopefully I've given you some things to think about today. This idea that intentional relationships over time bring life change. And I trust we'll take the next steps and apply the truth that we've talked about today that will take some action that will open the can and put some paint on the walls. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all the feedback during this series over the last nine months. Thanks for all your encouraging words. And thanks for just hanging in there with me. I appreciate you so much. Have a great week.